Good morning. If you have a Bible, please turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 20. I'm preaching through the Gospel of Luke, this book about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We are now in Luke chapter 20. I'm going to be focusing on verses 20 to 26, but we'll start reading this morning in verse 19. Luke chapter 20, verse 19. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for another day to open your word and to to look at it together. And we just ask, Father, for your grace as we do it. We do pray, Father, for the gift of your spirit here in this room. We ask you for the gift of your spirit in our hearts to open the eyes of our hearts. I pray, Father, that our hearts would not be dull. Uh, Lord, our, our hearts, our minds would not be, be sleepy when we look at your word. But, Father, you would energize us and animate us by your spirit and enable us to, to comprehend amazing things in your word. We do thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on Jesus at that very hour, for they perceived that he had told this parable against them, but they feared the people. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere, that they might catch him in something he said, so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor." So they asked him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, Show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? And they said, Caesar's. He said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And to God, the things that are God's. And they were not able in the presence of the people to catch him in what he said. But marveling at his answer, they became silent. Amen. Benjamin Franklin once said, In this world, nothing can be said to be certain except for death and taxes. (laughs) It's not entirely true. Uh, There is tax evasion, uh, but for most people, death and taxes are both pretty certain, and Americans seem to have this inborn disdain for taxes. (laughs) Statistics show that tax day, April 15th, is one of the most hated days of the year, and the IRS is one of the most despised of all government organizations. And, you know, if you think about it, it really does make sense that we would hate taxes in the U.S. The U.S. was originally founded as a protest against taxes. (laughs) It's in our patriot blood to hate taxes. You tax us, we'll throw your tea in the water. (laughs) And many Americans will now do just about anything, legal and illegal, to avoid paying taxes. Kent Hughes tells a story about one man who'd been holding back some taxes, and he was troubled by it, so he wrote the IRS and said, Dear sir, my conscience bothered me. Here is the $175 I owe in back taxes. And the man then added a PS at the bottom that said, And if my conscience still bothers me, I'll send you the rest. 
not a great love for taxes here in America. And in the passage we're looking at today, Jesus actually says some things about taxes. At this point in the book of Luke, Jesus is just a few days from his death. He's in Jerusalem now, and in just three days' time, he will be crucified. And man, things are escalating very quickly here at this point toward his crucifixion. Here in Luke 20, Jesus teaches daily in the temple, large crowds around him, and the religious leaders try repeatedly here in this chapter to trap Jesus, trying to trick him into saying something that would give them a reason to kill him. And in this particular passage, they try to trap Jesus with a question regarding taxes. And when Jesus responds to their trap here, Jesus actually gives us a very important two-part principle. A two-part principle for all of life. A two-part principle that can guide us when we think about taxes and so many other things in this life. We will look at the two-part principle in just a minute. Let's just first work our way through this passage for a little bit. Luke says in verse 19 that the scribes and chief priests were seeking at this time to lay hands on Jesus, but they still feared what the people might do. So they waited, and Luke says in verse 20, that they watched Jesus and sent spies to him here on this occasion. So Jesus probably has a large group of people around him. He's teaching. There are some spies that come up to him, probably looking like ordinary, normal, common Jews... But Luke says they are pretending to be sincere. Supposedly just some innocent people here with an innocent question. But they first try to butter Jesus up just a bit. If you look at verse 21. Teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly. You you show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God. (laughs) And man, you know, what those men said right there was right on target. (laughs) They were correct in every part there. Jesus did do every last one of those things, but those words weren't coming from sincere hearts. It was flattery, all of it, just a bunch of hot air. And man, when it comes to Jesus, flattery truly does get you nowhere because Jesus always has a way of seeing through your flattery. So these guys come up, they flatter Jesus, and then ask their question. Verse 22, is it lawful, Jesus, for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? Man, you just read over that passage, and and to you and me, that that seems like a fairly innocent question. Just a a basic tax question. These guys coming up to Jesus, the IRS man, and asking him a tax question. Do we pay taxes or not? But man, that issue there about giving tribute to Caesar, back in first century Israel here, that issue was an extremely volatile, highly divisive, politically charged issue. 
The nation of Israel was under Roman control at this time, and the Roman Empire required the Jews to pay a tribute tax or a poll tax. It was basically just a tax that every Jew was required to pay in order to live and work in the Roman Empire. But the tax was highly unpopular in Israel for lots of reasons. For starters, the tax was a yearly reminder to the Jews that they were under Roman control, and the Jews hated being controlled by the Romans. But the Jews didn't just hate being controlled by the Romans. No, the Jews actually hated the Romans themselves. They hated having all of these supposedly unclean Gentile Romans walking around their country, governing them, and making them pay a tax to live on land that God had given to them. And the poll tax was also a tribute that was paid directly to Caesar the Roman emperor. The tribute tax was a way to honor the Caesar, who was Tiberius at this time, an expression of honor for him, which for many Jews felt like a a slap in the face to God, who was Israel's only true ruler. And to top it all off, as if that wasn't enough to cause problems, the denarius, the, the coin that was used for the poll tax, On one side of the coin, there was this image of Tiberius with an inscription there that read, Tiberius, son of the divine Augustus. Basically calling Tiberius' father Augustus a god. And on the flip side of that denarius was an image of Tiberius' mother Livia, portrayed as the goddess of peace, with an inscription there that read, High Priest. So the denarius itself, the coin used for the tax, was considered by many Jews to be blasphemous. Lots of problems associated with this tribute tax here. And and some of the more zealous Jews, the, the zealots, they considered it to be a serious sin to pay the tribute tax, and they actually revolted against the Romans on multiple occasions because of the tax. That poll tax issue in Israel was a hot-button issue, to say the least. And man, in the minds of many Jews, it was a clear either-or issue. You were either loyal to the Jewish faith, and you did not pay the poll tax, Or you were loyal to the Roman state and you did pay the poll tax. You were either loyal to the the government, or I'm sorry, you were either loyal to God, did not pay the tax, or you were loyal to the government. You were either loyal to God or Caesar in this situation with the tax. But you know what? That's really the way a lot of Jews felt about life in general. The Jews, for the most part, they felt that you could either be loyal to God in this life, or you could be loyal to Caesar in this life, 
But you couldn't possibly be loyal to both God and Caesar. And that played over in this poll tax issue. So these spies here now ask Jesus for his opinion on this poll tax. So Jesus tell us, should the Jewish people give tribute to Caesar or not? And they were really giving Jesus there that either or option. Which is it, Jesus? No tax or tax. The Jewish faith or the Roman state? God or Caesar? Which is it? And man, I think the religious leaders who sent these spies, I think the religious leaders probably expected that Jesus would say that the Jewish people should remain loyal to the Jewish faith and not pay the tribute tax. After all, Jesus had been claiming to be the Messiah. And they're probably thinking, these religious leaders are thinking, what person claiming to be the Messiah would tell us to give tax to Caesar? In no way. They're expecting Jesus to say, no, remain loyal to the Jewish faith. Do not give that tax to Caesar. And if Jesus says that, well, the leaders will then turn Jesus over to the Romans as an insurrectionist, and the Romans will execute him basically doing the religious leaders' dirty work for them. But man, listen, even if Jesus says here that that the people should pay this tax to the Romans, I think these leaders still think they've got Jesus here because if Jesus says that, a lot of the more zealous Jews in Israel would then probably consider Jesus to be a traitor to God and they would reject his messianic claims. Jesus would lose much of his following. So either way, I think these religious leaders think that they've probably nailed Jesus here with this either or dilemma, but once again, Jesus escapes. You look at verse 23 again. But Jesus perceived their craftiness and said to them, show me the denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said Caesar's. He said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render to God the things that are God's. <laughs> it's a great answer. They, they give Jesus this either or option, really giving Jesus a choice between either loyalty to the Jewish faith or loyalty to the Roman state Loyalty to God or loyalty to the government, God or season. But Jesus basically gives them a both and answer. (laughs) Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give to God the things that are God's. And you know what? Jesus was talking about more than just tax there. (laughs) Jesus, I believe, was addressing there this much deeper fundamental way of thinking that many of the Jews had. Most of the Jewish people, they they didn't think it was possible in their lives to be loyal to to both God and Caesar. You have to choose between one or the other, but Jesus essentially just said there (laughs) that they could and should actually be loyal to both God and Caesar. Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give to God things that are God's. Jesus didn't just answer their little narrow tax question there. 
Jesus actually did something much, much bigger there. Jesus, man, Jesus basically just gave us there a principle for all of life. You know what Jesus just did there? (laughs) Jesus just gave God's people all over the world, he just gave Christians all over the world a a principle to, to guide us as we seek to live faithful to God underneath any government on this planet. You know, governments are just a part of life in our fallen world. It's about every country on this planet has some sort of government. So some government system by which the country is controlled, some set of laws or policies that direct how the citizens should live. And, and for thousands of years now, God's people have been asking a very important question. How do I live faithful to God underneath my particular government? How do I live faithful to God under a government that, that, that might be opposed at times to the interests of God? might seek at times to supplant the rule of God in my life. How do I live faithful to God under my particular government? And Jesus just helped us with that right there. Jesus basically just gave us there a principle that can guide us as we seek to live faithful to God under any government on this planet and here's the principle render to caesar the things that are caesar's and render to god the things that are god's two-part principle there and the first part is this render to caesar the things that are caesar's and and by that when jesus says that I, i think jesus is simply saying there that as god's people we should submit to the human authority that is over us here in this life. We should submit to the government that is over us in this life. Submit to Caesar. You know, the Protestant reformers, they used to talk about two different governments or two different kingdoms. One government being the government of the state. Martin Luther said that the laws of the state government, those laws rule our bodies. He said the state government has laws which extend no further than to life and to property and to external things and relations on earth. It's the state government. And the other government or kingdom is The government of the church, which rules over our souls. For over our souls, Luther said, God can and will let no one rule but himself. So Protestant reformers talking about these two different governments or kingdoms here on this earth. Two two kingdoms or, or governments, the state government and the church government. Church and state, church and state. But here's the thing that is absolutely crucial to understand about these two kingdoms or governments. Both the state government and the church government, both of them are ultimately 
underneath the rule and authority of God. God rules over both the state government and the church government. They both lie underneath his rule and authority. We believe in the separation of church and state. Yes, we do. But we also believe that God rules over both church and state as sovereign Lord of the universe. Two kingdoms, church and state, two governments, both ultimately under the rule and authority of God. God God has two instruments of government in this world. Two ways of ruling. God uses one government, the, the state government, for the restraint of evil and the promotion of social order. But God uses the other government, the church government, for the proclamation of the gospel and the spiritual good of the soul. Two governments that are both ultimately under the rule and authority of God, and as Christians we belong to both. We we belong to both the church and the state. And in both of these kingdoms, as the people of God... We have unique obligations to honor God. And when Jesus talks here about rendering to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, he's talking about the state government and the obligations that we have to honor God in that particular arena. When it comes to your state government, the governing authority over you in this life, Jesus is saying to you here, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Submit to Caesar. Submit to your government. Give Caesar, give your government that which your government asks of you. Now, now listen. We all know there's some obvious ex- exceptions to that rule. You're not always going to give Caesar what Caesar asks of you. There are some obvious exceptions, some obvious situations when you should not submit to your government. When you should not submit to the authority of the state. If and when your government asks you to do something that is clearly contrary to the will of God as expressed in his word, or asks you to perform immoral acts, or asks you to go against your Christian conscience in some way, you must then resist the authority of the state. If Caesar, your government, ever forces you to choose between submission to him or submission to God, you you choose God. And you resist the authority of the state. The apostles in Acts 5, they submitted to the Jerusalem authorities until those authorities commanded that they not preach in the name of Jesus. And then Peter said, we must obey God rather than men. We're going to preach. But listen, as long as Caesar, as long as your government is not asking you to do something contrary to the word of God or to perform immoral acts or go against your Christian conscience in some way, then Jesus is telling you here to to submit to Caesar. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar. Give to Caesar. Give to your government the things your government is asking of you. 
And why should you submit to Caesar? Why? Why, why? why should you submit to the government that's over you in your life? Here, here's why. Because that authority is from God. That authority is from God. In Romans 13, 1, the Apostle Paul says this. If you put that up, Jake. In Romans 13, 1, the Apostle Paul says this. Let every person be subject to to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. There are no governing authorities except from God. And those governing authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the governing authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment. Wow. Man, Paul just said there that every government on this planet is ultimately from God. Has been instituted by God. Now man, that is hard for us to believe when the government is horrible. Are you kidding me? That government instituted by God? Are you kidding me? Yes. God uses fallen men and women. He uses the fallenness of our sin He is the one whose overall authority is the one who's instituted all authority. That authority is from God, yes. And until that authority, the authority in your domain, until that authority asks you to do something contrary to the word, something immoral or against your Christian conscience, God commands that you submit to that authority and render to that Caesar what that Caesar asks of you. And you know what you're doing when you do submit to that Caesar? When you you submit to the governing authority over you, you know what you're doing? You're ultimately submitting to God. Paul said it there in Romans 13. Whoever resists the governing authorities resists God. Resists what God has appointed. You're ultimately resisting God. And, And Paul said there in Romans 13 that if you do that, you will then incur judgment from him. And man, you submit to your governing authorities when it's appropriate, when it's within God's bounds. You submit to your governing authority, you're ultimately submitting to God. You grumble against your governing authority, the authority that's over you. You grumble and complain about it, you're ultimately grumbling and complaining against God. In 1 Peter 2.13, Peter says this, Be subject for the Lord's sake. To every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him. You submit to your governing authority. Why? For the Lord's sake. Because God has placed that governing authority over you. For the Lord's sake, render to Caesar that which is Caesar's. And again... Make sure you noticed the, the exceptions. There are times you do not submit to Caesar. If Caesar comes in and tells you to commit abortion, you, you don't submit to Caesar. If Caesar walks into this church building and tells me to perform a marriage between a man and a man, I will not submit to Caesar. Because I believe firmly that is against the word of God. We do as a church. 
That is against my Christian conscience. I will not do it. I will not submit to Caesar. But until Caesar, if Caesar doesn't come in and force me to do things like that, I can submit to Caesar. Now, we will work hard to change policies that we don't feel are in line with God's word. But unless Caesar is opposed to God, directly opposed, clearly opposed, God says, submit to your Caesar for his sake. And man, you you can apply that to all kinds of areas in your life now. Taxes. They ask Jesus here if they should pay this poll tax. Jesus looks at the image of Caesar on the coin and says, render to Caesar that which is Caesar's. That's an issue that falls under the state government. Pay the taxes, Jesus says. Pay the taxes. And you know what? When you, when you really stop and think about it, crazy that Jesus said that. This tax, this, this tribute tax, was going to a really ruthless nation. It was persecuting Christians at the time. It was going to an emperor who, who thought he was a god, the, the, the Roman Empire was probably going to use that tax money to do all kinds of crazy things, even paying for the crucifixion of believers, praying for the, paying for the crucifixion of Jesus, most likely, and Jesus says, pay the tax. Wow. That's something to sit and consider. Pay the tax. And you know what? Paul says the exact same thing later on in that Romans 13 passage. He started out by saying that all governing authority was from God. And then Paul says this in verse 7. He says, pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes, to whom taxes are owed. Revenue, to whom revenue is owed. Respect, to whom respect is owed. Paul says the same thing. Pay the tax. And do you realize that when Paul wrote those words there, you know who was emperor? Nero. One of the most wicked of all emperors at a time when things in the Roman Empire were crazier than ever. Martyrdoms of Christians all over the place. Paul says, pay the tax. Wow. And God is saying the same thing to us today. Pay the tax. The the tax that is lawful for you to pay here in the United States, that which Caesar is asking of you to pay, pay it. All of it. Ultimately, not in submission to the IRS, thank God. Ultimately, in submission to God himself. And, And if you will not pay your lawful tax... You're resisting God. For the Lord's sake, submit to Caesar and pay your taxes. Even if your emperor is as monstrous as Nero and your government as evil as the Roman Empire, pay it. But man, that thing applies to to way more than taxes. It, it, It applies to all the laws of our land. Laws, as Luther said, of life and property and external things and, and, and relations on earth. It applies all the way down to the smallest traffic laws. Again, if the law of the land is not asking you to do something against the word of God, the express will of God. Not asking you to do something immoral or against your Christian conscience. 
And Jesus is saying here, obey it. Obey it. No matter how ridiculous or <laughs> insignificant you think that, that law might be. Give to Caesar what Caesar is asking of you. And your submission to Caesar is a submission to God. Kent Hughes says, Christians are called to a profound obedience to their government. Christians are to be markedly law-abiding. So let me ask you, Are you markedly law-abiding? Are you actively working to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's? Are you? Your taxes? Obedience to the laws of the land? Traffic laws? Do you have a parole officer you're supposed to obey? Do you have child support you're supposed to pay? Are you submitting to Caesar for the Lord's sake? That's the first part of the principle that Jesus gives us here. How how do I live faithful to God under my particular government rendered to Caesar, the things that are Caesar, and Jesus then says, render to God the things that are God's. It's the second part of the principle. That which belongs to Caesar, your taxes, your obedience to the laws, give it to Caesar. And that which belongs to God, give it to God. <laughs> and, 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 and what do you have that is God's that you should be giving to God? Well, everything you have is ultimately God's. Everything. God God ultimately owns everything in the universe. Abraham Kuyper once said that there is not one square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ does not cry, Mine! God owns it all. Every last bit of it, everything you have ultimately belongs to God. And, and Jesus just told you there to give to God that which is God's. So Jesus just told you there to give everything you have to God. Give your time to God. Give your treasure to God. Give Give your talents to God. Give your devotion, your worship, your obedience to God. Give everything you have to God. But listen, man, if we walk away from this passage, thinking that that Jesus is is just telling us to to give those types of things to God, give everything you have or everything you possess to God, if we walk away from this passage thinking that's what Jesus is saying here, to give all that you have to God, we miss the point. Because there is one thing in particular, I believe, that Jesus is telling us to give to God right there. One thing in particular. I want you to think about it for a second. When these spies here ask Jesus, If they should give this tax to Caesar, Jesus asks them for a coin. 
he didn't have to ask them for a coin. He could have made his point without the coin, but he asked for a coin. Okay, go for it. I think he asked for the coin to make a specific point. When Jesus gets the coin, what does he do? He looks at the coin and he says this. Whose likeness does it have on it? And that word likeness is a huge word in this passage, I believe. The Greek word there could also be translated as image. It's how several English translations have translated it. Whose image is on that coin? Whose image or whose likeness has been stamped onto that coin? They say Caesar, so Jesus says, then give to Caesar that which is Caesar. And Jesus then turns right around and says, and give to God that which is God's. And I think Jesus is saying this. That which is stamped with the image of Caesar, that which bears the likeness of Caesar, give it to Caesar because Caesar is the owner. But that which is stamped with the image of God, that which bears the likeness of God, give it to God because God is the owner. And what is it? that is stamped with the image of God and bears the likeness of God? What is this thing that Jesus is telling us here to give to God? You. You and me. We have all been stamped with the image of God. We bear the likeness of God in our beings. You, you may remember it from the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 126, when God originally created the human race, God said this, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created a male and female. He created them. <laughs> you, my friend, have been stamped with the very image of God. He created you. In his image, you bear his likeness. Do you realize what you are? You are God's coin. You are God's coin. Caesar owned the denarius, which was stamped with his image. God owns you, who are stamped with his image. You're God's coin. He owes you. He owns you. And you know what? God wants you. God wants all of you. Listen, God doesn't just want your stuff. He doesn't just want your devotion, your worship, your, your obedience. He doesn't just want your time, your treasure, your talents. No, God doesn't just want your stuff. God wants you. He wants his coin. He wants all of you. Jesus is not telling you here to give your stuff to God. Jesus is telling you here to give yourself to God. Yes, give your taxes to Caesar. Give yourself to God. Give your heart to God. Give your whole being to God. Give your very soul to God. Yes, obey Caesar. Obey Caesar and his laws. Give everything in your being to God. 
You're stamped with the image of God. He owns you. He wants you. Give yourself to God. A two-part principle for life, a two-part command for life. Command from Jesus. Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Give to God the things that are God's. And man, you know what? When you kind of step back and you look at that two-part principle, you, you look at that two-part command there from Jesus, every last one of us has failed to keep that thing on many, many occasions. Man, we haven't always given to Caesar the things that were Caesar's. <laughs> no way. Every last one of us has broken Caesar's laws at times. Maybe just a speed limit or something like that. But every last one of us has broken Caesar's law, failed to give Caesar the things that are Caesar's. You know what's even worse? Every last one of us failed to give God the things that are God's. Back in the Garden of Eden, God stamped his image on us. He created us, his coins. And he stamped his image on us. He said, mine, bearing my likeness. And God expected us to give ourselves to him completely. But we didn't. Sinned. Kept ourselves from him. Kept our lives from him. We kept God's coins away from him. (laughs) And when we sinned against him, man, that image of God in us that had been stamped on us became badly marred distorted, distorted looking coins. The image of God can now barely be seen on us, God's coins, now bearing a very poor likeness of God. Man, when we did that, we sinned against God in the garden and badly distorted God's image in us. Man, we then lost the ability to give ourselves to God. We became a bunch of lost coins. Roaming the earth, badly distorted, unable to find God, unable to give ourselves to God, locked in sin. And amazingly, even though we deserved God's eternal punishment for what we had done, God still loved us. And God still wanted us. So what did God do? God sent another coin to this earth, another human being, a coin named Jesus, a coin that had not just been stamped with the image of God like us. No, Jesus is the image of God, the perfect image of God. Colossians 1.15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 13, 3, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. And he is the exact imprint of the nature of God. And God sent his very image to this earth. This beautiful coin named Jesus, the perfect image of God on this earth. And you know what Jesus then did here on this earth? Well, here's one thing he did. Jesus obeyed that two-part principle perfectly. Jesus, Jesus on this earth gave to Caesar the things that were Caesar's perfectly. 
obeyed the laws of the land perfectly, those laws that weren't opposed to the will of his father. Jesus even paid his taxes with coins from a fish's mouth. Jesus gave to Caesar the things that were Caesar's perfectly. And man, Jesus also gave to God the things that are God's. This coin, this perfect image, Jesus, he gave himself to God perfectly, his Father. Gave himself perfectly to God. 